welcome to the show, Hush Club. How are you doing? Good. Thanks for having us. Of course. It was a pleasure getting to know you a little bit before we started recording. Can you guys just run your names um, and like what your job is in the band? I don't know if you call it job, <laughs> your role <laughs> in the band <laughs> for the listeners at home. Yeah, um, I'm Liz. I use she, her pronouns and I'm the keyboardist and I write some of the songs and sing some of the songs. Alistair, he, him. Uh, on the recordings, I play bass and drums. Live, I just play bass. We have somebody else, the wonderful Stephen Siffler, playing drums. And uh, I, we all three of us write sometimes and, and sing when we write. Sweet. Yeah, I'm Chris, he, him as well. Uh, I play guitar and sing uh, the songs that I write too. Sweet. Well, I'm super stoked to have you because you guys are, are coming off a crazy sold-out headline show at Brighton Music Hall, which we'll get to. But first, <laughs> I kind of want to know, like, I know you guys met in college, but, like, how did, how did Hush Club come to be? Yeah. Uh, well, the very first time any of us met any of the other ones was in high school, actually. Oh, wow. We didn't go to high school together, but Chris and I went to rival high schools, and we were both on the Ultimate Frisbee team, and we played each other in Ultimate Frisbee. And uh, I jumped over Chris's head, so he probably doesn't remember my face. <laughs> but uh, no, no, actually, Chris was the captain of his team, and I played for like two minutes total in the game. So Chris probably doesn't remember my face. But we ran into each other in college and uh, realized we liked a lot of the same music and started hanging out, started jamming, started doing gigs together in various other bands. And then Liz was at the same college with us as well. And a few years later, I'd heard her name a lot on campus. She was kind of a big, like, music and especially musical theater person she i think we come more from the rock and roll world and liz comes more from this other world where she was kind of i think one of the big stars on campus like wrote and directed this whole musical herself and i remember seeing her name on the posters and my friends were going to the shows and sort of eventually the it was a small enough world that we met each other and we started playing together too and by the end of college all three of us were playing together Sweet. What what school did you guys go to? We went to Harvard. Oh, dang. Okay. Smart. <laughs> um, how did you guys come up with the name Hush Club? It was kind of a... At the time, it was just something we thought sounded cool. <clears throat> but since then, it's taken on a meaning that we didn't really anticipate when we, when we selected it. It was just, again, it was just sort of phonetically, we were like, yeah, that sounds like a band. But since then, as we've made different kinds of music and discovered more of what our musical identity is, I think all the time about, like, this song is kind of more on the hush end of the spectrum. This ends kind of more on the club end of the spectrum. Ooh, I really like so, that. So I don't know if you know the album we put out in 2021, Fingerprints and Stains. Kind of vibey, gentle, lush. A lot of people called it dream pop when it came out. That, to me, is a hush album. And then I think you're going to ask us about this song, The Moon, that we came out with more recently that's got a, you can dance to it. It's got a bass line that's kind of funky. Uh, it's got a mega catchy chorus, which I take zero credit for. That's all Chris. That's a club song. <laughs> and so we're always sort of negotiating, reconciling the distance between the hush and the club. Well, I, I kind of love the idea of having that spectrum. Did you have like uh, secondary names that you almost went with? A million of yeah. them. I don't like even know if I remember any of those. I yeah. remember a couple. One of them was... So, Rain Diver? Yeah, Sunspell. Sunspell. That's another one. Oh, I kind of like that one. Yeah, the yeah. Those were the final three, I think, right? Hush Club, Rain Diver, Sunspell. Yeah, we got a lot of input from friends and family. And I think we all 
personally like Tiny Desert Animals. I like it. I love it actually. Um, but I actually first came across the band on TikTok. Specifically the TikTok, I'm going to read it. It said, if you send us proof that you saved this video, we'll invite you to our house and make you a pizza with a topping of your choice. I mean, that obviously ended up blowing up on Boston Talk with over 50,000 views. How did the pizza idea even come to be? Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of a nerd about stuff <laughs> where, like, I, I just always have to have something, like, whether it's musically related or not, that I'm just, like, trying to, like, figure out yeah and pizza was one of those things where like i I got really into pizza making like i don't know two years ago and then like gradually that has just gotten more like i've i've wasted more and more money trying to improve my uh ability to make high quality pizza so i have like one of those like uni ovens and stuff nice and i don't know i just have a ton of fun like trying to figure out the little quirks of it and so we make pizza a lot at the house okay and so one of those uh, times we were making pizzas because we were like working on um, one of Liz's songs uh, that's in the works all day. And at the end, we were like, oh, we should like make pizza. That'd be a fun way to hang out. And Liz suggested, like, oh, we should film this for TikTok. And we were all like, oh, yeah, okay. And like nobody really thought anything of it any more than any of our other TikTok ideas. We were just like, yeah, cool. Like, let's do it. And um, Alistair put the post together. And like, we weren't really at the time, like, <laughs> assuming that that many people were going to be interested in this. So I don't want to say, like, it wasn't a serious offer, but it was it was kind of a joke. And um, when it ended up sort of popping off a little bit, and uh, we ended up with, like, I don't know, something like 1,500 saves on that video, which technically puts me on the hook for 1,500 homemade pizzas. <laughs> which a lot of pie. I think I calculated would be, like, I don't know, like two tons of flour. <laughs> so, so, some, some absurd <laughs> amount of, of material. Um uh, I feel like at that point you need like a food service permit. Yeah, to yeah. give that many people. <laughs> there's food there's some liability out. there. Yeah, so so it ended up being the kind of thing where we 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 did want to like you know make good on our promise as much as we realistically could. So one day, uh, like a few days after that had happened, we invited the most enthusiastic. Uh, group of commenters to come over and I actually did make them pizza. Oh, no way. Which was funny. So there's there's another TikTok video we made of us like actually making pizza for some of these folks, which was fun. It's the one with me and Chris in chef hats if you go yeah. back and watch it. <laughs> so they, they were full-blown strangers in your home? Yeah. yeah. Which was an interesting experience. How was, was it, did it turn into kind of like a, like a Q&A or were you guys just kind of hanging out? It was, honestly, I was really happy with how it went. The, they were the coolest people. They were it just kind of felt like we were making new friends. It, yeah. di- it didn't feel like we're the artists, they're the fans. It felt like we're just like having some cool people over and having pizza with them. Yeah, yeah. And I was. Some of them came to the show later, <laughs> and and uh, it was fun. We Liz and I were talking to someone. Remember the the first two people who arrived oh, at the yeah. pizza thing at the show. And again, it didn't feel like a fan. It, fe- it felt like oh, I'm so glad to see Katrina. I'm so glad. Maybe I shouldn't say their names on air. Maybe that's <laughs> violating some kind of privacy. But like, like, hey, how are you doing? Like, good to see you. That's awesome. And that. I, we, when we did it, it was like, ah, how's this going to go? Like, I think we should do it, but like, I wonder what it's going to be. And it was, it was really cool. Yeah, you sort of never know who's going to show up when you invite, you know, 10 <laughs> random people from TikTok <laughs> over. So I was a little bit like, ooh, one of these people could be a little strange. But fortunately, they were all super nice. And uh, yeah, it was an awesome experience. So that whole thing was, was, was funny and and fun (laughs) that's definitely something like only music could make happen (laughs) um and that's why we love music here oh yeah what uh what kind of venues were you playing before this brighton music hall show like what capacity rooms were you hitting Uh, in boston at least i think 
I would say our biggest like headline show was at this venue in Harvard Square called Club Pasim, mm-hmm. which is a venue we'd been wanting to play for a really long time. A lot of amazing artists, you know, in their own day had played there, like Johnny Mitchell and Bob Dylan. John Mayer John more Mayer. recently. That's true. Maybe wow, the kids know John that. Mayer more. <laughs> Interesting. Um, yeah. But so we have played two shows there, one before the pandemic started and one like in like 2020. No, both after the pandemic oh, ended. Really? 2021, 2022. Oh, well, yeah, not not sure. to be the nerdy librarian over here, <laughs> okay. but someone's got to do it. Band historian <laughs> Alistair McKenzie. Um, so that had been our... No offense to librarians out there. <laughs> um, that had been like our biggest headline show up until this point. And then we had also played Brighton as an opener mm-hmm. and similarly sized venues like the Crystal Ballroom in Somerville as an opener, but never as a headliner. Okay. So before we did the whole pizza route yeah. <laughs> and you were gaining some traction, were you guys nervous? Because isn't this kind of like a, an upgrade in venue capacity? Well, massive. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And it, it was it was not our first sold out show because those, mm-hmm. I think, was it both of the Pessim shows? Yeah. Both of the Pessim shows sold out. So that was cool. And we were, you know, uh, um, I think that was a sort of encouraging sign early on that, that you know, we were doing something right. Um, but I think this was a, a big jump from that for us, uh, mm-hmm. obviously, because 500 cap is, is, is significantly larger than that. But, um, yeah, I think we were all feeling some nerves going into that just because it was such a new experience. But um, I think I... I, I, I I feel like over the years I've tried to get better at like talking myself out of, you know, performance anxiety by like trying to rationalize like what what is there to actually be afraid of yeah. here. And I think for us like I was really proud that we were really well rehearsed, but also I was excited because you know, it, it really was like a community event and yeah. I felt based on the way people were talking about it and TikTok comments about like being excited to come and um, based on, you know, people we knew who were coming. It seemed like people were really excited to, like, show up and, like, engage with other, you know, folks. Yeah. And so I think when we were getting ready to go on stage, I was more sort of thinking about, like, this is just, like, really awesome. Like, we're getting to sort of hang out with a lot of other, you know, you know people who are, are interested in sort of coming together around this music and um, looking out into the crowd while we were on stage. It was more just like, wow, this is just a really cool, like, community event Definitely. and so i think that helped me be like eh, it doesn't matter make, make a mistake or something here and there like whatever everybody's having a good time and 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 it, it felt special for that reason yeah <laughs> there was also a really special moment where i think chris like surveyed the crowd and asked you know who had been to a hush club show before and then a bunch of people raised their hands and a lot of people we'd seen it chose before a lot of our friends and family and then he asked you know who hasn't been to one and like a large percentage of the crowd you know, hooted and hollered and whatever, and it was it was awesome. it was a really remarkable moment for me at least, because I think it was you know the first time we had played to that many new people who were seeing us do our live show for the first time, and that felt also really special. Yeah, I love what you said about it being a, a community event mm-hmm. because I had so many people reach out to me and be like, "Are you going to this?" As if it was like <laughs> it reminded me of like Porch Fest of oh, people being yeah. like, "Are you guys coming to Porch Fest?" I'm like. Wow, I, how do you know that? Like, that's sick. Uh, and then obviously I was away, so I couldn't attend. Uh, but in I would Venezuela. Love, uh, yeah, yeah I, was, I was in Venezuela on a hiking <laughs> journey. Um, but that being said, I would love to kind of know, like, the energy of the, mm. of the space. How was it? It was so... I mean, electric is an overused, abused <laughs> word, but it really was. It felt really live, really exciting. Yeah. And it felt 
kind of just not that different from the past smaller shows when we played to friends who we know love us and want us to succeed and are excited. It just felt like there were more of those people now. It felt yeah. like the a lot of warmth, a lot of love, and uh, this was confirmed, I think, at, at the end of the night when we took all these people out for pizza <laughs> and got to meet them in person and uh, or reconnect with people we'd already known. Yeah, and there was a there's a moment in our set where we do some like crowd participation, and they sang you know like the chorus to one of the songs, and I don't think I understood what it would sound like to have you know 525 people like singing our song back to us, and that I was telling them after the show that I like almost cried when I heard all those voices like singing something that we had written together and it just felt so magical yeah, like could you even hear yourself at that point <laughs> <laughs> i was i was just letting the crowd take care of it i was like they don't need me they've got it they harmonized beautifully that's awesome i'm, I'm glad it panned out and it sold out and i'm excited to see like how you take that and run with it um i need to ask the graffiti pizza mm -hmm. how did they get involved in because obviously i mean you couldn't make <laughs> 525 yeah. slices of pizza and i asked the venue about that i was like if i start like <laughs> making pizzas now and i freeze all them like can i like sell them as merch and they were like no yeah <laughs> it's got to be some sort of violation <laughs> sell them as merch yeah. is hilarious <laughs> or even give them away as merch yeah, yeah, yeah but, give but, them away yeah because of course we said free but but yeah that that did not turn out to be an option which yeah. i totally understand no no shade is being thrown at brighton that's a, a reasonable line to draw. I like, think the like guy we were dealing yeah. with emailed us back and was like, what if someone like throws a pizza on the stage? Like, do you want that on your gear? And I was thinking of that scene in Breaking Bad yeah. where Walt like throws the pizza <laughs> on top of the house. And I was like, yeah, that's probably not the best idea. There's precedent. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So yeah, the thought was after we, it became clear we couldn't do it at the venue proper. Let's find a place near the venue and let's take everybody out for, for a fun pizza time after. So Chris and I had a, a very fun day where we went to the venue and we timed ourselves walking and we went to every pizza place that was less than a five minute walk from the venue and sussed them out. We tried the pizza. We talked to the owner if the owner was there about like, hey, we want to do this thing. You want to do it with us? And we actually missed graffiti first because they're pretty new. And I think they maybe didn't show up in the Google search results about like pizza near me when you're in that area. And very luckily someone from our TikTok comments was like, hey, if you're going to do this for real, try graffiti pizza. So later that night, we drove back to the venue, <laughs> tried graffiti pizza, and we were like, oh, damn, this is the best slice. No shade on the other places, but it was, we both were like, this is a different level of pizza. This is great. And when I talked to the owner, Dave Dragani, who also runs Club Dante, um, which I, I had heard of, he was so excited about working with us and such a like warm, enthusiastic, wonderful guy. And so we were like, this is it. So... Shout out to Abby Sullivan, who commented that on TikTok, because without <laughs> Abby, we would not have known. That is awesome. So they, it was after the show, everyone just went there and, and got us alive? Yeah, exactly. That's so cool, man. So that being said, the TikToks that, that helped you know, get this show some virality in Boston featured your track, The Moon, mm -hmm. which also was an intro <coughs> to your music from, from me. And it's such a sick song. It's like super upbeat. And like you said, it's, it's a club song, but it's also <laughs> kind of like heartbreaking. Oh. So I kind of, I would love to hear the inspiration behind the track. Sure. Yeah. Um, lyrically, I sort of wrote like an exaggerated account of like being ghosted. <laughs> I don't know, maybe not exaggerated, but <clears throat> I, I was trying to sort of play in, you know, I, I feel like lots of people have been in that experience yeah. where like, you know, you have something and um, it fizzles out and. Uh, there isn't a lot of communication around that, and that can be hurtful. 
and and I feel like in the you know I I sort of was like yeah I, I'm just gonna let my emotions fly in these lyrics and 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 um, so you know I, I think that's that's what ended up coming out so the sort of heartbreak aspect I, I don't looking back like consider that to be like a, a super heartbreaking experience but I it's think not such a big deal he's totally over it <laughs> <laughs> okay. I was gonna say I always say this and that's the joke everybody always makes which is totally fair but uh, but yeah anyway so lyrically that's that's the situation but I think more um, of what I was really like uh, uh, I guess sort of the biggest inspiration for that was actually listening to a lot of pop music um, I feel like there's this like thing in uh, for a lot of musicians or certainly it was the case for me and I feel like I see it in other people I know where like you start out listening to like I don't know Ariana Grande and like you know mainstream pop stuff and then you start learning about like other bands and then you get into like King Gizzard and Lizard Wizard <laughs> and like now you're like pop music doesn't have any value like they're not like playing in 7-4 yeah. like you know there aren't like 10 minute songs with like uh, you know, like 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 atonal solos and stuff, and, and the so lyrics then, the lyrics aren't extended metaphors about Lord of the Rings. Yeah, yeah like <laughs> you went to Berkeley, you understand. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you get into that stuff, and then you slowly, I think, make your way back down to being like a thousand miles by Vanessa Carlton, <laughs> kind of sick, you know. And so I think that was a little bit of the trajectory I was on, where I was coming back down from all that stuff. And I was actually listening to a lot of Taylor Swift. And I was Heck like, yeah. honestly, kind of sick. Like, <laughs> the melodies, like, she writes kick-ass choruses. And so while I was sitting there listening to all that, I was like, why are these choruses so good? Like, what about them, like, makes me, like, so, like, happy or, like, it gets me so hype? And so I was actually driving up, um, you know, back to Somerville from visiting my parents who live in Weymouth in the South Shore. And in the car, I just sort of, like, had that little... And I was like, ah, oh, that kind of sounds like maybe something sort of Taylor Swift-y. And so I spent the rest of the car ride, like, making voice memos. Like, well, what if the chord under it was this? And then, like, what if the next part was... So I got home that day, and I had the chorus with no words or anything yet, but I had the melody. And I was like, hmm, this has got to be something. So I sat down with a guitar and spent the rest of the day working on it. And I think over the course of, like, a week or something, I, I came up with, like, what, like, was pretty much the shell of the song. Um, but, yeah, that was that was sort of what I was thinking about, which was a, a sort of uh, a new experience for me because I feel like in the past my inspirations for, like, songwriting and stuff have come um, from some more of that, like, I guess, like, uh, indie, less mainstream stuff. And yeah. so this was a cool experience to be like, well, how can I like incorporate elements of like this stuff that I'm currently into, which is like sort of the more the pop stuff, um, and, and, and still have it be something that feels like, like Hush Club. Yeah. Yeah. For no reason other than that's just what I was into at that time. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's pretty much the story of how that one came about in its early stages. And then like all of our songs, um, you know, usually the way we write is somebody will come in with a like demo of it. Um, and the others will play like an editing role. Be like, oh, this is great, but what if the bridge did this? Or what if the chorus did this? Or, or what if you change this melody slightly or this chord slightly? And um, so when I brought it to Alistair and Liz, uh, Alistair had the idea to come up with the, the like funky guitar bass line hook thing. Um, and Liz helped a lot with, with um, the lyrics and editing some of the melodies. And uh, I think 
once we all had sort of weighed in, it turned into, you know, what you hear now on Spotify. So I think that's pretty much the story. How long was the turnaround time from like when you had the idea to when it came out? I long made, time, like six months. Maybe? I made the okay. first demo of that, or like the voice memo in the car that I was talking about was probably March 2022. 2023. 2023. Yeah. Sorry, 2023. So nine months. Yeah, nine months. So it was it was like a, it's literally your baby. Yeah, yeah, it was literally <laughs> true. <laughs> That's right. True. And during that time, we released like two or three other songs. There's always a, okay. a line. So yeah. it's like you got a new demo. Like go to the back of the line. <laughs> Does that like frustrate you at all? Like having the patience for a song that you really like to come out. We really like all of them, yeah. so it, does, yeah. it never feels like I'm waiting in line behind these shitty songs that I, I wish we weren't releasing. It's like, oh, yeah, of course that one's going to get released first. Yeah. I love that one. Then we'll work on my one. Yeah, and I also feel like, you know, maybe there's some version of this where, like, we wait too long and it becomes, like, robotic, but I, I never feel that way about our songs. I feel like all of them benefit from that, like, marination. Yeah. Because um, I can spend time, like, you know, when Chris writes something, like, listening to the demo and being like, I think it'd be really cool, like, if we had this, like, spooky keyboard sound or, like, a pedal steel do this line and then we can, like, mess around with it and sit on it and then decide whether or not we like it. And it never feels like we're trying to meet a deadline or rush or anything. And, like, I think between the three of us, we, like, write songs at a good enough pace that, like, there's a steady-ish stream of things that are being cooked up and coming out and so it feels like yeah what Alistair was saying like we can oh, we're always working on something that we're excited about okay. something that actually just came to mind I'm not a musician myself but I'm not very good at like being complete with something mm. like and I feel like a song can go so many directions and you can always add something new to it or you can take something away so what's the process like of you being like this is it <laughs> we're not <laughs> touching it it might not come out in nine months but this is we're not touching it well we usually don't hit that point until pretty close to the time we release it. Okay. I think if we had finished it, so Chris started writing it in March. If we had made a finished recording in March, I don't even know where I'm going with the sentence because that's never happened before, <laughs> right? Like, like uh, we probably finished the recording in mid-November for the December release. And so it's, it's I think if we'd had something that we thought was finished in March, but then we're sitting on it for months, we would have tweaked it. We, we yeah. it wouldn't, it probably also would not have ended up being finished until November. So I don't even remember what your question was, but I, <laughs> but I, it struck me as like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't work that way. Really. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the answer. You guys just don't work that way. I yeah. obviously am uh, trained differently and I'm like, <laughs> yeah. can't uh, commit to anything. So good on you. Yeah. Um, it's like, I don't know if you ever like, finished a paper ahead of time in college. I didn't do that very many times. <laughs> no. But but on but on those rare occasions I did. It's not like you finish the paper on Mondays due Friday and you don't look at it at all. You're yeah, like you, yeah, you yeah. probably Thursday night you're like, let's see if I can make that intro a little better. Okay. Or let, let's see if like the title could be different. Right? You're you're it benefits from the extra time. It's not like you just put it in a vault and forget about oh, it. Yeah. So it's it's constantly evolving. Um, well it was interesting to hear about like your kind of artistic approach to your music. I would love to talk more about the business side of things mm -hmm. just because when I came across you I immediately looked you up and you honestly had a lot more in place than most like independent artists at this point in their career that I have worked with or at least had on the show like, you have a website which is huge you're <laughs> actually available on streaming you have professional photos uh, I'm kind of curious like where are you in your career do you have manager publicist yeah. booking agent what's your gigging history like all the above we have no professional people working for us that's all us we have like I think a lot of the photos are taken by people we hire freelance or by our our, our roommate Josh took yeah. the last batch of photos. Josh Murray, incredibly talented photographer, not a full time photographer, but if anybody wants to hire him, um, true, very true. And 
yeah, the, where do we think ourselves in our career? The main answer that comes to mind for me is different from two months ago. Like we just took a big step, it feels like. And yeah. I'm, I'm really excited about that. And there's always more steps to take, but it feels like 2024 is going to be a, a fun, interesting year for us. Okay. And and what <laughs> what are we trying to do with that? I'm kind of curious. I'm going to dig here. Yeah. Do we have anything in the works? Oh, we have a million things in the works. Oh, yeah. Lots. We got Chris alluded earlier to the song we were working on the night we filmed the pizza video. is a song of Liz's that we're super excited about that we'll probably put out in the next few months. And as always, we've got the, the line of a million mm-hmm. demos. I think we all have other stuff in the oven. So certainly more released studio music from us is something to expect in 2024. Uh, we're starting to put together more shows. And I, I, that's the place where I think this Brian Music Hall thing really changes stuff. Yeah. And I think we're, I don't want to jinx it. This is real wood, right? Yep. Um, but, but I think we're eligible now for types of shows and, and getting in front of numbers of people that we probably weren't able to get Definitely. in front of before. In Boston, certainly, but also, I think, other places. So I, I think we're hoping to take it on the road this year, even just in a relatively small regional way that we didn't do last year, the year before. Yeah. So Northeast, New England, we're coming for you. <laughs> I mean, I imagine artists that are touring through Boston will hit you guys up for opening slots, too. And Well, and that's already happened a bit, yeah. right? We played at Brighton twice as an opener and Crystal Ballroom once as an opener. So I think, yeah, if anything, it'll, that'll happen more. And that would be very exciting. That's sick. Hope is there bigger rooms. Yeah. Is there a specific venue in Boston that you really want to play at? Huh. I mean, there's a bunch of them. I think, I think, yeah, I, I think part of what makes this, like, really special for me just being in a band and getting to be part of the music scene is just, like, you know, it's a way of um, opening yourself up to cool experiences. And I think any new room... Yeah. kind of is a cool new experience. And so I think, for me, it would be special just because it's near our house, and um, I've seen a ton of shows from bands who I look up to a lot there, but it'd be great to get a Sinclair date at some point. That'd be really fun. Um, but I think, like, I could say that equally about kind of any of the venues yeah. around here. So, again, I think, like, what I'm really hoping will come out of this, for, for me personally at least, is um, hopefully that just opens us up to, to you know, new opportunities for really cool performing experiences that like we can look back on fondly and hopefully if that exposes our music to new people and helps us to continue to sort of grow our fan community in some way and continue to connect with people and have special experiences like that then yeah that's that's the dream i think i i think i'm gonna be very specific with this answer (laughs) i would like love to open for someone at royale i feel like that's a venue that i've like i saw we had a bunch of like college dances there, which was the first time I was exposed to the venue. But then back in like 2018 or 2019, maybe I saw No Name perform there. And it was just one of the sickest shows I've ever been to in my whole life. The room sounded awesome. Her performance was incredible. And I was just like, this would be a really rad place to play one day. And I think like there are some other, you know, local bands who have had sort of similar trajectories to us who have like, you know, sold out a 500 cap room. And like the next step for them was opening for like a national touring act at Mm -hmm. Royal. And so that feels like more within grasp now than it had previously. And so I'm like holding Definitely. out for that one. I feel like that's very possible. Uh, 2024, I'm, I'm seeing Hush Club <laughs> at the Sinclair. Or I mean, at the Royal. Roy, actually, both. Okay, at the Sinclair no, and Royale. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so you're also hitting the road, though, kind of. You're <laughs> playing in Portsmouth on Friday. Yeah. Have you ever played a show in New Hampshire before? 
No. Yes, we, we have. have. Oh. We played at the Word Barn in oh. Exeter, which is not too far from Portsmouth. Um, that's a really cool venue. They get some really cool people. The Word Barn and the press room, through. both of them. <clears throat> yeah, we opened. Yeah, true. Um, but um, we, yeah, we, we played there once before. Uh, that was really special. It was in the summer. They had like a little backyard oh, uh, awesome. portion. But the, the indoor portion of the venue is this really cool, you know, barn, as the name suggests, but has, um, uh, you know, cool art in the wall. And it's like got all this woodwork and it's, it's a beautiful venue. And uh, we were really excited to get the chance to play up there. Um, but we played their sort of outdoor backyard summer series, uh, which is, you know, the same as any other show. It's just that in the summer they move them outside. Yeah. And I remember at the end of that set, it's like dark and, um, you know, the music is playing and like you can hear the crickets in the background. Yeah. And I got poison ivy at that gig, which was less fun, <laughs> but that was my fault. A lot of mosquito bites. Going off the trail. But anyway, that was cool. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, so this will be our second time in New Hampshire. Uh, but yeah, we had a solid turnout at the Word Barn last time and, We've already sold a decent amount of tickets for uh, the press room, so if you haven't got yours yet, get them. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, that one's going to be a really awesome show, and it's a room we've been wanting to play for a while, yeah. so we're pumped. Well, that's <clears> awesome. <throat> um, I, it's been a pleasure speaking to you all. Um, I do wrap up every interview with the same two questions. <coughs> you did kind of hit on this one, but I'll ask it either way. What music industry goals do you have for the near future as a band? It's kind of abstract, but it's like, making the most of what just happened. Mm -hmm. it, it was this extraordinary thing to have all these people become interested in the music and in sort of communing with us and being together with us because of these videos and the Boston Globe thing and this show. And we want to follow that wherever it takes us. We, we love getting to play for these people. We love getting to meet these people. We love getting to like literally break bread with these people. It's, it's, it's very cool and, and just... More of that, and, and because it's new and uncharted territory, I, I couldn't really give you specifics on what shape it's going to take, but mm -hmm. more of that, please. Yeah, <laughs> I think going off of that, like something that's been really remarkable about like the last month or two has been that like the thing that sort of got us in front of a lot of new people and got us you know views on TikTok and a lot of people coming to our shows was that we leaned into the fact that like the three of us are best buds like we're really good friends and we love making music together like Chris and Alistair still live together I used to live with them for a long time so we've like spent a lot of time together and just having like our you know interpersonal dynamic be the thing that like connected with people I would love like as we continue to grow the project like have that continue to be the brand because it's the thing that feels the most honest and I'm so grateful that what has given us this bump in our listenership and viewership was something that played on that and I am very excited for that to continue to be true that's so true like yeah. I think when I thought about this you know when I was a kid and I thought I'd be fun to be a musician I had some idea that I was going to have to pretend to be cooler than I was or something to succeed you know I was going to have to play a character or do something performative and inauthentic and I was you know I, I I love music and and I was willing to do that if that's what it yeah. took but it's really cool to see that at least so far the answer is no you just being myself and hanging out with the people who really are my friends and making the music that I really love to make and doing the stuff we really like to do together people respond to that people want to be part of that it's it's incredibly cool and gratifying to yeah. see that response 
I mean, I think that's definitely the, the road most traveled, <laughs> to be honest. Um, and to like early on in your foundations to lean away from that and not do it is, is huge. And that will like carry with you for whatever the band does. So fingers crossed. Great headspace to be in. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Well, I'm going to ask you my last question, which is my favorite question I get to ask people because it's completely unrelated to music or your career. What are some personal goals you got in the near future? Mm-hmm. Read more books. Didn't read enough books. <laughs> that's a common one. What any like what genre? The genre is things I've been given for Christmas over the last couple of years. I've got, got this pile that grew. This year, I finally said to my family, no books, please. And, and, and uh, even with that, sort of, no, the, the supply has, has ceased, but I still have this cumulative pile of probably like 30 books from the past oh, wow. many years. I'm just watching TV on your laptop is so much easier to do. And I'm, I, I have that tendency. And I've watched a lot of good TV, but I'd like to read too. Yeah. Um, I'd say my next personal project that I want to really, you know, as soon as I have time for it, uh, dive into is learning another language. <clears throat> I feel like I'm, yeah, I, I, I took Latin in high school, which I really regret. They talked me into it and they were like, oh, like <laughs> you're going to have such an easier time with vocabulary and like, it's going to help you in the SAT. But like, you know, you, you step back for a second and you're like, well, that just means any romance language would give you the same benefit. And <clears throat> I didn't personally feel like that helped me much. It just sort of was like another class. Um, but I would love to be able to like speak another language. I feel like it would okay. be really cool. Any specific? I don't know. I'm leaning toward trying to learn Spanish yeah. only because I feel like that's like similar. Uh, people at least say, I don't know if this is actually true, that coming from an English-speaking background, that that's like a more doable language to learn. I'm sure mm-hmm. any of them are like learnable if you're willing to put in the time. But also, like, you know, in America, I feel like a lot of people obviously speak uh, 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 Spanish. Yeah. So that seems like you get a lot of use out of it. So I don't know. Just for a, a personal thing, it would be cool and rewarding to, to be able to communicate with more people. So that's, that's something I, I, I would love to do. I'm hoping I can start that this year. Sweet. <laughs> start with Duolingo. Yeah, honestly, that's right. the the bird people say gives you nightmares, and that's like, got, that's giving me a little pause. Uh, I've been doing but. Spanish Duolingo because yeah. I like the I was working with like a population last year. It was like almost ninety percent Spanish speaking, so I was like trying to understand even a little bit. Um, it's very good, but also the bird is very stressful. <laughs> I accidentally paid for like I accidentally spent a hundred dollars on the app, and I got like the premium. Mm. And I was like, why is my app like multicolored and like sparkling? And I was like, oh, I bought premium, so I. <laughs> Really learned a lot of Spanish that year. Uh, I've since stopped. Um, how about you? What personal goals do you have? Um, I think I'm going to zoom out a little bit more. I think like one thing that I've been trying to challenge myself to do over the last year, but really want to kick it into overdrive in this next year, is just trying to push myself really outside of my comfort zone. Like I moved to a new city last year. I lived down mm-hmm. in Providence, Rhode Island, and you know it can be hard to get connected to a community down there. And so I've been trying to challenge myself to just like go by myself to an open jam at a bar and like go sit down on the drums and play the drums and see how people respond to it. And so like in 2023, I played my first like gig on the drums and I played my first gig on the bass. I don't know why I'm doing this. Like they were gigs. I was playing for people. And, <laughs> and she plays drums on our song Willow Street. Oh I do. Yeah. So she I played play- drums on her first Spotify song that's in 2023. True. And it was so fun. And I just like I think I needed that little like catalyst to like really show myself that 
it's not that scary. And yeah. so like the first day of 2024, I like went to one of those jams I go to. They're down in Newport. They're really awesome. And just like got up on stage and played the bass to a Nirvana song, which like, <laughs> I don't know if you've listened to our music, like I'm more Phoebe Bridgers than Kurt Cobain, <laughs> but you know, so I think continuing to do that in 2024. And I think that's like, you know, not to bring it back to the band, but like, I think that's going to be important for us in this project too. Definitely. She's going to render us obsolete by yeah, the end exactly. of the year. She's going to play all the instruments. <laughs> My plan is working. <laughs> Solo <laughs> project incoming. We'll just sit here and look pretty. Liz Kanner in the Hush Club. Uh, all right. Well, Hush Club, thank you so much for joining me today. I appreciate your time. You guys are awesome. Thank yeah, you so much. Yeah, that was fun.